0: Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the wellness company. For in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash and use promo code StrangePlanet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey
2: <sighs> well that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier starting the chat better and dating safer they've changed so you don't have to download the new Bumble now
1: another day
0: is here and you're ready for it what to wear? check breakfast, lunch and dinner? check
1: We had one case where we were giving a tour and we were telling about what this boy had told us in in EVP and different means of communication. And there was a woman on the tour that got very, very upset. And we pulled her aside later and asked her why she was so upset. And she said, I think that the person that you were talking to is my nephew.
0: You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com forward slash strange planet patreon.com forward slash strange planet there are several tiers to choose from pick which one is right for you but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated as a sign of my appreciation you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show or you could have your name included in a crawl on my YouTube channel live stream you could also receive episodes of my old podcast the rock and roll twilight zone this critically acclaimed podcast produced in partnership with Chris Jericho is not currently available anywhere else. If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange
2: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres, pursuing the truth wherever it leads.
0: How long has it been since we had Richard S. Step on talking about the world's most haunted hospitals? Time goes so quickly. Three, four months, maybe, maybe longer, talking about haunted hospitals. And he's got a new book out. Richard's not with us though, but his, his co-author is The Haunting of Asylum 49. And uh, so we're going to focus on one particular uh, haunted medical facility just outside of Salt Lake City. It's called the Old Thule Valley Hospital, Asylum 49. Now, the facility no longer operates as a hospital, but it's now a popular Halloween destination, you know, where you can go with your your kids and you go to these so-called haunted houses, but, you know, because everyone loves a good scare at Halloween, but visitors to most haunted houses know the most frightening things are just actors in monster makeup and uh, spooky special effects. Uh, and deep down, you know, we all know that the uh, the ghostly inhabitants are fake, uh, except at Asylum 49. And uh, we're going to speak with the owner of Asylum 49, and as I say, the co-author of The Haunting of Asylum 49, Cammie Anderson, is here. Let's talk about... Chilling Tales of Aggressive Spirits, Phantom Doctors, and The Secret of Room 666. It's all detailed in this brand new book called The Haunting of Asylum 49. And uh, the co-author and owner of Asylum 49 is Cammie Anderson, uh, who along with her husband, Kim, her niece, Dusty, and sister-in-law, Sonia, operate uh, this Tule Valley Hospital, Asylum 49, and she's been investigating claims of paranormal activity in homes and businesses across Utah and the surrounding states for over a decade, all the while continuing to research into the mysteries of the spirits at the old Tule Valley Hospital. She leads a busy life with Kim, raising her children, mentoring the children of uh, Tule, overseeing scholarship programs held at the Asylum 49 Community Center, and working with her patients at the dental practice where she works part-time. Cammy enjoys the guilty pleasures of horror movies, fantasy books, antique shopping, traveling with her family, and the occasional Comic-Con to satisfy her love of all things nerdy. Cammy Anderson, how are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Tuli Valley?
1: It's Tuwilla. You pronounce it tuli. That's what it's spelled. All right,
0: <laughs> Tuwilla, Tuwilla. How did you come to own Asylum 49? I mean, it's a it's a large building.
1: It is. It's a large building. It's an old hospital. It was a community hospital um, in Tooele for many years. Um, It opened in 1953, and it closed down about 13 years ago, 13, 14 years ago. Um, My husband, Kim, as you you, um, told the listening audience earlier, he's also a partner with me, but he grew up volunteering at Haunted Houses as a teenager. And he told himself if he ever found a location where he could open up a haunted house, then he would do it. And he found it. And here we are.
0: <laughs> was it difficult to purchase the property?
1: Originally, it was a lease um, on the other part of the hospital. So we have two parts of the hospital. One is the haunted house, and the other part is an active nursing home facility. And we started out with a lease. We donated a lot of proceeds to them on top of our lease. And then we purchased it about three years ago so that they could build a new facility. So they'll be moving out in about February, and we'll get the whole hospital.
0: And I'm sure that, you know, its reputation preceded itself. You you must have known for a long time that the, you know, word got round that the hospital was haunted. Uh, but when did you? When did when it, when was it cemented or confirmed for you personally?
1: For me personally, um, God, there's so many things that happened that were questionable, and then one day, my friend and I we were in the nursery area, and we were just talking and and we were doing an investigation because we wanted to find out for ourselves what was going on there, and all of a sudden we heard children running up and down the halls. And at the time, there were no children in the building. It was just adults, and it was late at night. The facility locks down completely once you shut the doors, and nobody can get in. So that was um, probably what did it for me.
0: So it had long been closed by the time you sort of were there to investigate.
1: Right. It had been closed um, a few years. I'm not sure of the exact years, but the nursing home. Had been open and operating prior to us coming and doing the haunted house.
0: And the nursing home is the still the there? The, the nursing home is still operating, is it not? It is. Okay. It is
1: still operating.
0: How do the residents there feel about being attached to this Asylum 49 that with all these spirits running around?
1: Um, You know, there's not a whole lot of things that go on over there. We keep everything pretty separate. They keep to their stuff and we keep to ours. Um, we don't want to bother them. And they don't want to bother us. But there has been a few times that we'll give tours. I know in the beginning, a lot of uh, the residents at the nursing home wanted to come through. A lot of real feisty ladies coming through, telling everybody not to scare them. It was cute. All right. <laughs> but, um, what? what yeah, we're kind of we're grown, so we're not really a kid, super kid friendly anymore.
0: Okay, it's more for grown-ups. Right now, were there reports um, of? paranormal reports while the hospital was still operating, or did all this begin once it closed down?
1: It was, there were stories told in quiet circles. Um, especially, we hear about them now, especially after the word has gone out, and it's not so taboo to talk about spirits, but we've heard a lot of nurses um, and doctors and even physical therapists that would visit the hospital even though they were practicing in a different town. They'd visit the hospital, say that they'd seen something, and pass that on, and it just has come back to us. Um, I think that the biggest thing that I remember is the nurses in labor and delivery area. They did a tour, a ghost tour one night with us, and instead of us giving them the tour, they pretty much gave us the tour and told us about some of the um claims and experiences that they had in the building wall at being alone at the nurse's station at night with nobody in the area. Um, it's a very small town, and it's growing, but at the time when it was an operating hospital, it was fairly fairly quiet. So there wasn't always somebody that was in labor and delivery area. So they would sit there quietly all night long, and in this wood room, there's a, a room, it's a surgical suite for If somebody needs a C-section or if there was complications to a birth, that's where they would go. And the nurses would sit at their nurse's station and they would hear screams coming out of that room, even though there was no patient in the room. And it got so disturbing to them that they brought in a TV. They just wheeled the TV, put it in front of the door, and turned it up and left it on all night long. And back in when the hospital was up and running, TV shut down. It's not like it is now, where you have programming all night long. It would shut down, and it would have the beep or the white noise. Yeah, they'd they sing the
0: national anthem, and then off. Yeah, then white noise. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they would let that run. They preferred hearing and listening to that than what was coming out of that room.
0: Give me a sense of what the hospital looks like. I mean, it's been closed for 13 years, but I mean, is it in? Do you just is it in kind of disrepair or decay, or do you sort of keep it up? Does it look pretty much like it would? Uh, when it was an operating hospital?
1: Majority of the hospital does look how it would, how it did back then. We've done really good at maintaining the property and um, doing maintenance and upkeep on it. We do have some areas that we've kind of messed up for the haunted house sake, so it looks a little more run down. Um, but it's, it, it has rooms off of the main halls. It's just like any other hospital. You know, you have the emergency room area. You have a main hall that connects the whole hospital. You have the Green Mile that connects the haunted house side to the nursing home side. And then you have um, the maternity hall. It has the nursery and the labor and delivery area and all those patient rooms off to the side.
0: And was some of the equipment, like x-ray machines or incubators or any diagnostic equipment, beds, that sort of thing, left behind?
1: Yes, and that was the odd thing to us is you could walk right into any of the rooms and it looks as if people just picked up and left. Um, They still have the beds in there. They were still, in fact, we still use those to this day um, in the rooms. And they left some equipment there from the x-ray room and also the ER rooms. So it looks very much like an old hospital still.
0: Now, with the beds, you mentioned we, you still use those. Does that mean people can stay overnight?
1: Yes. <laughs> people do stay overnight. Um, they'll do ghost tours. Um, generally, we do those from January to August because we do operate the haunted house and we build sets um, from August on. Um and then we clean up and open for haunted house, or excuse me, ghost tours during the off-season. Um, but people do sleep in those. And we like to return the hospital back to its original state where we got it, since we still have residents staying there.
0: Right, right. And does it get used for, for movie shoots?
1: It does. It does at times. We've actually had um, the mini-TV series The Stand by Stephen King filmed there. Um, We've had numerous um, music videos. We've had student projects. Um, We've also had a movie called The Fastest Indian with Anthony Hopkins filmed in it. Oh,
0: that must Um, be fairly lucrative for you.
1: Right. Well, it can be. We don't charge a whole ton for um, things like that, especially when it's a student. Right. But when The Stand came and filmed and when The Fastest Indian came and filmed... We weren't the owners at the time, so. Ah, okay. All right. So, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't participate in that deal.
0: <laughs> now, the um, the uh, the ghost. When people stay overnight, uh, are they? I mean, what percentage of people leave actually having had uh, an encounter with with the paranormal?
1: I would say a large percentage, probably in the eighty percentile right. or above.
0: Eighty yeah. percent.
1: Yeah, it's really really active and. Over the years, we've noticed that there are some spirits that like to communicate more than others, um, and it's. I think we're very we're very much in a unique position because we've been al- allowed to build friendships and relationships of sorts with the spirits in these areas, and so they've been more than willing to come out and talk. And it's almost as if they're researching on the other side and trying to communicate with us as well.
0: Uh, and um, do, you, do, do people that, that uh, pay to stay there, do they have to sign a waiver? Because, I mean, if they have a really frightening encounter, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about one of these dark entities, the Guardian. I mean, if they run up against the Guardian and they have a really scary encounter, I mean, someone, could they not injure themselves or be traumatized?
1: Yes, I think that they could. Um, We do have disclaimers um, that we have to make sure everybody is aware of. Um, We have a very good staffing um, system and a lot of very good and skilled people who watch what's going on during the ghost tours and are are very aware of their surroundings and of the spirits and their temperaments. Um, Like I said, we've gotten to know them quite well. They're just like people. For the most part, um, except you can't see them.
0: All right, tell so me they about. Have
1: characteristics.
0: I mentioned the guardian. This is kind of a yes. darker entity that. Uh, yes. Well, wh- where is the guardian located in the hospital?
1: He's over in the emergency room area. Um, and in the emergency room area, we have a black plastic maze that he likes to hunker down in. Um, it's very dark and. It's hard to see anything distinctly in that area. And it's a maze, so he can ramp through and hide. You Oftentimes you'll see something out of the corner of your eye. You'll watch the black plastic streamers move, and you know that nobody's in there.
0: And have you caught a glimpse of him other than just seeing the movement of these black plastic streamers?
1: I have, and we actually have a photograph of him as well. One of, uh, you mentioned Dusty, she was giving a, a ghost tour, during um one of our on seasons and she was telling about the area that they were in and and telling some of her experiences and some of the people in the group they were just snapping pictures like you do when you're out investigating and they lifted their camera up from in the back of the group and just snapped it snapped a photo above everybody's head and back behind everybody is this big dark shadow and at the time they had a digital camera, so they could view that and verify right then that there was nobody there that would have caused that big shadow.
0: All right. Tell me about the spirits of Rooms 1 and 2.
1: Oh, the Rooms 1 and 2. There are a few spirits in there. And I'd like to say that they don't um, all stay in one area, but they stay fairly close to their area. We found out they're, they're pretty territorial, and they're comfortable, just like would be comfortable in a couch, one spot like a chair or on a couch in your um, front room while you watch TV. They're very much the same as that and they're comfortable in one area but in room number one we have a little boy named Thomas and he has been known to mess up the the beds numerous times (laughs) and he's he's a little bit of a jokester. He'll mess them up and you'll go back and make them again. He'll mess them up again and he'll do it again, and he'll do that until you stop, <laughs> and then you just get a good laugh about it. Um, in room two, we have an older woman. Um, she's very, very quiet, but sweet at the same time, and she is a very, very interesting spirit to me. Um, we've seen her for many, many years, and we didn't know a whole lot about her, Um you just see her sitting in the chair. Because you know how in patient rooms they'll have a chair for visitors to come and right, sit in right. and talk with the patient. So
0: this is a full-on apparition. You've seen her.
1: This is a full-on apparition. Um, sometimes you would just see her out of the corner of your eye. Sometimes you can see her head-on, but she'd vanish very quickly. So it almost be um, you'd almost catch details of her. And... For a long time, we didn't know who she was and what she was all about until there was a gentleman that came, and he was was a psychic medium, and he was telling us about the woman in room two. And he told us a little bit about what she looked like, and he said her name started with the letter E. He couldn't get the full name. And he said that she liked to play cards. And also, he told us that she was one of those kind of people that she wanted to be recognized as being there, but she didn't want company for long, so she would get very tired of you um, visiting after just a few minutes. So when he told us that, we started trying to do more communications with her. We tried to play card games with her, and we used the flashlight technique, and for those who don't know what that is, is you would take a flashlight, loosen it just so it barely connects, and... You would ask the spirit, okay, if you want us to, if the, the answer is yes, then turn the light on. If it's no, leave it off. Um, and we use that to try and play a card game with her. Do you want to turn this card over? Do you want to keep this card? Or do you want to change it in? Just things like that. And it was successful for a few moves, and then she got bored of us, and we'd leave. And one day, actually, when I was writing this book with Richard, um. I was writing about this woman, and I got a message on Facebook about a young lady who was in town with her kids who lived in Colorado. However, she was born at the Tooele Valley Hospital, and she asked if she could come and do a tour. And I said, oh, yeah, I'd be happy to come and walk you through, give you a tour. So we set it up, and she came. It was actually Christmas Eve that she came, and we met she came in, and naturally, the conversation went to Ghost Adventures since they had come and done an investigation, and the show was one of their highest ratings um, at the time. So they really, really loved that, and then since it was familiar, they wanted to talk about that. So I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and give a give one of the ghost tours. Just kind of keep it child-friendly, of course. Right, there were right. Some, some young kids there. So I walked her through. And we got to room number two, and she stopped and she looked at it, and as I explained to her what we were told about the woman in there, her face just got white. And she said, oh my gosh, I think that's my grandmother.
0: Oh dear. And
1: I was (laughs) was like, really? And she told me things about her. She just described her to me in ways that you know, just kind of filled in the blanks for us, as far as our reach, research. And her game was gin. We figured out uh-huh. her, she loved to play gin. So <laughs> now so, we have a new game we can play with her. So obviously the,
0: now, the, the the spirits that inhabit Asylum 49 are, I'm guessing, are people that actually passed. And this would include the, the children. They They passed over at the hospital. Is that fair to say?
1: You know, I'm not 100% sure about that. I think that it would be, it could be fair since it's a hospital and it was um, an up and running hospital housing kids also. There was also a kids wing there. Um, but since it's a hospital and the laws are what they are, we can't really find everybody who passed away there. So unless we get a lead in which to um, go down, we don't really have any start on where to look.
0: In other words, you don't have access
1: to the hospital medical records. Right. 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 We don't have access to the hospital records. And it's, it's against the law to have, some, have them and to give them out to people who aren't family members.
0: Sure. But you must be respect. contacted, like this little girl uh, who said that she thought that was her grandmother. Uh, okay. You must have people coming to you all the time saying, well, my, my grandmother or my aunt or my uncle, they passed here. They died here. Um, yeah. Is it possible you know, that their spirit is here? Does that happen a lot?
1: Um, it's happened. I wouldn't say it happens a lot. Um, there's been times when we've had some situations where it's still a very sensitive subject, and we've been able to com- communicate with one of the family members who had died in that hospital. And it's been it's been very hard at those times, especially when they're children. Um, we had one case where we were giving a tour and was. We were telling about what this boy had told us in in EVP and different means of communications. And there was a woman on the tour that got very, very upset. And we pulled her aside later and asked her why she was so upset. And she said, I think that the person you were talking to is my nephew. Oh, dear. And, yeah, she was very, very upset. And she was upset for a couple reasons. One, is he still here? Two, are we just lying? Did we hear about it from somebody, and nobody was supposed to speak about the details in the family because very few of them knew about it, and they were protecting another member of the family. It was an accidental shooting, so that was a very, very hard thing for the family to experience. And finally, we were able to calm her down and get her um, belief that we weren't making this up, nobody had told us. Um, We calmed her down in the way of, we don't think he's really stuck here, because he didn't seem to be. And she went home. But what was very hard was the next day we got an email from the little boy's mother. And we ended up having to do that all over again, but this time with his mother. So that was very, very hard. Um, She came in and she wanted to talk to him, and she was able to. She got information that nobody would ever know. She got a little bit of closure. Obviously, when you lose somebody, especially a child it's going to hurt for a while you're going to breathe.
0: unimaginable now was, yeah. the, was her son able to communicate via uh, EVP or was it in real time using uh, like a black box or um, a Frank, like a Frank's right. box type thing
1: yeah with um, with the little boy's aunt we were able to use multiple different equipment the spirit box was one of them we had flashlight and EVPs of the little boy that night when his mother came It was just through flashlight response. But they were so solid with the lights turning on and off just in response to the questions, and they were so accurate according to the mother. And what she knew, that she felt that she had been talking to him. And we haven't talked to him since. He hasn't said anything. So we think about that and think, oh, gosh, this could have been so bad. But in a way, I believe that we either helped to cross him over or got him closure so he could move on or um, give some closure to the family member and the person who was also involved with the accident.
0: Let's hope so. All right, we'll come back and discuss further the haunting of Asylum 49. Cami Anderson.
2: Families have a lot going on. C60
0: EVO delivers the miracle molecule ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 EVO with those you love? ESS-60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years and during the day we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS-60 lived Twice their normal lifespan. Go to C60EVO.com/slash Richard-Serrett or click on the C60EVO link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS 60 from C60EVO. Order your miracle in a bottle today.
2: If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited, with Richard Serrett.
0: The Tuella Valley Hospital, now closed, also known as Asylum 49. This is just outside Salt Lake City, Utah, and it is billed as one of the most haunted hospitals in the world. And the owner uh, is Cammie Anderson. She's also the co-author, along with Richard Estep, of The Haunting of Asylum 49. Uh, Do you have a handle on how many spirits... Uh, actually occupy Asylum 49?
1: I would say a good 15 are regularly communicating and active in there. But I know that we have quite a few more that don't say anything and some that come and just kind of pop in from time to time. We have the nursing home that has people dying frequently. We have the cemetery that sits right next to us. And we also have people that come in a lot, and do ghost tours, and come to the haunted house that brings their own spirits with them.
0: <laughs> they piggyback in on, on uh, those individuals.
1: Do. Yes, they do. So we have, at times, we will find out new ghosts that are there, and they will talk to us for quite a while, and then they'll all of a sudden be gone, and then they'll come back. Um, so it really is probably only about 15 that are very active.
0: Do you have names for all of them?
1: Yes, we do. Um, some of them we've been given names through EVP by their own voice. Others we've been told by multiple people what their names are. Um, we have a lot of mediums that come through and people who are sensitive that get a feel for things. And we'll take note, and after hearing the same thing a few times, we'll put a little bit more confidence in, in that information before we start talking about it.
0: Right, and and for you or uh, or for Richard, who's not here, but uh, can you relate maybe one of your the most the frightening experiences you've had in Asylum Forty Nine, or perhaps a member of your family?
1: Yeah, um, I'll tell one of mine, and it w- it's not in the book, so this will be something that's just um, an
0: exclusive, an exclusive, exclusive. All right.
1: This this did happen after we sent the book in and everything was done and ready, and it was in at the publishers. Um, I was building a room at the haunted house. We were getting ready to open last season. And we have, I mentioned before, where the guardian is, the black plastic nave. And the way that we build those is we'll put up some kind of some rafters and wrap plastic around it. The plastic comes on large rolls. So it'll be just basically sheets of plastic. And we'll just line them up. And you cut up the sides of them just to create the streamers that hang down. And I was back there in the area. It was in the ER area, kind of over by the respiratory clinic. And all of a sudden, I felt somebody behind me. And I could feel them touching my back just through the sheet of plastic that I hadn't cut yet. And I just made myself aware of what was going on. I thought, well, there's somebody there. I know that it's none of the volunteers that are helping me today, or any of the staff, or any of the kids, because nobody was back there. So I took note of it and just kept working, worked a little bit faster. It was dark back there. I could barely see. There was only enough light coming through the door that I had propped open for me to see and cut the streamers. And all of a sudden, it just kind of getting a little bit more aggressive with the touch on my back. And without any warning, all of a sudden they started, whoever it was, was pushing me side to side between the two pieces of plastic. Kind of like that child's game, the London Bridges Falling Down, how you go, your friends put their hands down to your sides and kind of toss you side to side. Right. And that was, that was a little nerve wracking. That was the first time that I had been touched in there in any way that was even kind of violent. So (laughs) I think that's probably my most frightening experience in the hospital.
0: Uh, I'm trying to remember when Richard was on. Richard Estep, your um, Mm co-author, because we talked briefly about Asylum
1: 49.
0: Uh, Now He had kind of an aggressive encounter as well, didn't he?
1: He did. Um, (laughs) This was a very interesting one. He came in with a bunch of people from Colorado. He brought some of his the paranormal team with him, and also some of the people that he works with. Um, as you know, he's a paramedic, and he, he does a lot in the healthcare. care.
0: Yes, and a in volunteer fireman, yeah.
1: Right, and a volunteer fireman. But he brought his boss and her daughter and a few other people with him to reenact a situation that may have occurred in the emergency room area. And their idea was to kind of stimulate a reaction from the doctor. is in that area.
0: Oh, they they were trying to intubate like a mannequin. Yes. Right.
1: Yes, they were. And they did two different things. They did one that was, if anything could go wrong, it did go wrong in the one. They were all pretty skilled at what they do in their jobs, so they knew exactly what to say to make it go wrong. And they did that. And after that, they decided to just regroup and and clean up and set up again to do the other one, which was going to be um, run exactly how you would, and everything went right. And after that, he decided, well, I'm going to go up and I've got to walk to the security office, which is down the main hall. And as he was walking, he walked through these doors that we have propped open. They're heavy doors, so we don't want them to fall on anybody or close on anybody during the haunted house, so we'll wedge them open. And as he walked through, all of a sudden the door slammed, and the wedge, he said, flew six feet over and slammed very, very hard right behind him. He said he could feel the breeze on it and everything, so <coughs> that made him a little bit nervous.
0: So this is the supposedly the spirit of a, an ER doctor, and yes. and Richard and his team were trying to elicit or evoke some sort of a response from the ER physician by... First of all, sort of botching the intubation procedure on this mannequin to upset the ER doctor. Like, that's not the way you do it. Is that the idea?
1: Right. Right. He's very much, um, the doctor in that area is very much, do it my way or else. He doesn't suffer fools very easy at all. And he will tell you a no on certain terms if you've upset him.
0: And has he identified... They did that. (laughs) Sure. Has he identified himself in terms through an EVP or other means?
1: He has not, um, but I've seen him on one occasion full body, uh, and he was, he's not, I wasn't the only one to see him. We've had cast members who have been in that room, in the ER room, during the haunted house in a role. And one in particular um, told me a story about when she was in there laying on the bed, she was kind of a patient that was um, being tortured by one of the doctors, during the haunted house season, and she was a little bit tired, so she started falling asleep, and on several occasions that season, she would open her eyes and see a doctor standing above her as if he was observing a patient on the bed.
0: Now, this is uh, interesting uh, for a hospital, hard to think, but they, when it was built, they didn't build a morgue uh, in the hospital, so they, had, they set up sort of a, a temporary morgue, and um, I think it was rooms 20 and 21. Uh, Tell me about that, because uh, you're getting some activity there, too, I can imagine.
1: Yes, we do. We get quite a bit of activity in those two rooms. Um, And the way that that was set up as a temporary morgue is that it's a very small town, so if there was anybody that needed to be um, removed from a room, if there wasn't enough Rooms. They would pull them aside and put them in that room as they passed, and allow families to say goodbye or give a easy easy way to get for the mortuary to get in and, and remove them. It's kind of off the beaten path. There's not. There's only those two hospital rooms on that hall. All the other ones are um, administration and offices. So it would allow them easy access, so nobody else would have to see them removing a person who had passed. Um, a lot of people who are sensitive um, or psychic have had a lot of hard times in those rooms. They'll go in there and just the, the death would overwhelm them.
0: And people are they're paying for that, to have that in sen- that sensation. <laughs> right. Unbelievable. It's, very,
1: it's, it's a curiosity. There's a lot of things that people want to know in life a lot of questions people have and one of those is life after death is it real or is it over when you die um some of them it's for their own knowledge some of them it's because they have people they love that have passed and they want to know what goes on and if they can find out the secrets of the afterlife
0: now, tell me about your your EVPs. You must have quite a collection, and and I I understand that EVPs are sort of graded. Like you know, there's your your grade A, your grade B, your grade C. Uh, right. And I mean, how many gr- really good quality grade A EVPs do you have? Do you do you keep the collection?
1: I have a very extensive collection. I don't have an exact number, but it's it's very lengthy. <laughs> And a lot of them are Class A um, and some Class B. We very rarely get any EVPs that you can't make out.
0: And uh, can you share with me maybe maybe some of the more interesting, disturbing, frightening, funny uh, EVPs that you've
1: collected? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'll give you one in each category. One of the most unique ones that I've ever heard... Um, and I've not only done investigations at the hospital, I've done all around, but one of the ones that we got at the hospital was that of an individual who was in the x-ray room. I asked him to say who he was, tell us his name, and he gave us a first and a last name, of which we were able to find him in history and even have talked with his family members. He, his name is Peter Hansford and he was a radiology tech and he loved his job very much according to his family members and he they feel that he comes back and visits because he did love it so much and has some very fond memories there
0: that's fascinating when you get because you don't i, I always ask this question you know did you get a first and last name because i'm always looking you know for some corroboration or or something that you can know, some evidence. Now, did you play that EVP for them? And, and if so, did they, did they agree that that was his voice?
1: Yes, they did. Um, in fact, they think it's really cool that he's still around a little bit. And he's not there all the time. He comes and goes. We've asked him. In fact, we got EVPs from him um, on another date, just asking other questions, asked if he's stuck there. He said no. He comes and goes. And this was all an EVP. And we asked him, are you with anybody? He says he's with his mom and dad. So that one is not a terrible story. Um, There's a lot of sad stories that happen in a hospital, but that one was one of the better ones. And it also had a lot of implications of there is life after death. And you're not alone. You do see your family and friends when you pass.
0: So they were able to identify... That the voice on that EVP and for those not familiar with EVP electronic voice phenomena this is where you capture the voice of a spirit supposedly on some sort of a recording device and sometimes you you don't you don't actually hear it with the naked ear it's only when you play it back right uh, And they were able to identify this former radiologist his voice and say yes that's Peter
1: Yes that's yes remarkable they were.
0: that's remarkable. you had some other examples uh, some yes. be frightening.
1: My, the most frightening one for me is we were in room 20. and The
0: temporary morgue.
1: We, right, the temporary morgue. And we caught an EVP of a very, very gurgly male voice that said, don't zip up my head. And when I heard that, I mean, just the sound of his voice is chilling. And I imagined them tr- taking his body away in a bag and him saying, don't zip up my head. I, that was It was a very scary oh one, just the voice was terrifying. And then a funny one. Oh, my goodness, I'll give you a funny one. Me and my partner in crime, Kathy Blank, she's been my partner in investigating for years, since day one. And um, we were in labor and delivery, and we were just talking. It was late. we have been investigating for a long time. So we were getting a little bit silly, and... <clears throat> All of a sudden, when we reviewed the recorders, we heard somebody say, they're weirdos. And then in a separate spirit, said, yeah, they are. (laughs) So Hmm. that one was funny for us.
0: We're going to have to have you uh, come back on, and um, maybe we can play some of these EVPs on the air. Would you be good for that? I would love that. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Maybe closer to Halloween. Um, Perfect. Now, two of the... uh, my favorite chapters. I, I use the word favorite, favorite, sort of, with some hesitation, because uh, uh, I, like a lot of people, I find uh, dolls kind of creepy, <laughs> uh, especially clown dolls. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have something at Asylum Forty Nine called the the Cage of Fear or the Fear Cage, the Fear Cage, right. and it's just filled uh, to the rafters with dolls of all sorts of different sizes. Tell me about that.
1: Yes. Um, in one of the areas, this is set up for the haunted house attraction. Um, a lot of people, one of their fears are dolls. Um, for, that's probably where the movie Chucky came from, is people's fear of dolls. Well,
0: and they're, um, they're one of the most commonly haunted uh, objects, apparently.
1: Right, right. There's people who have collections of haunted dolls. And for whatever reason, they spirits do like to possess them or attach to them. Probably for comfort or just because they, you know, in movies and things like that, it could seem that they're innocent when they're not. But that's that's how um, we decided to put in a doll room. And it is. There are dolls from all walks of Earth. You know, the Earth there's from... This continent and that continent. There's some antique dolls in there. There's large dolls, small dolls, life-sized dolls. You name it. They're up the stairs and on beds <laughs> and on blocks in the middle of the room.
0: And so it's um, almost like an episode out of Fear Factor. People will who are afraid of them will pay. They'll go and they'll they'll stay the night in this room full of dolls.
1: <laughs> they can if they want to, um, but they have free roam when they come through. Right, but. Um, the fear cage comes from there being a lot of electromagnetic fields, a big electromagnetic field there, and it's it's man-made. It's not a spirit-made EMF, but it creates what is known as a fear cage, <clears throat> and EMF has a tendency to cause a lot of side effects, especially to people who are sensitive to it or if you're around a particularly high level of EMF. It's been studied and document by, documented by the power company for years, of course by the larger number, larger scales though, but it can cause headaches, hallucinations, um, skin irritation, um, nausea, headaches, all those fun things. And in that room we do have some spirits and for the longest time We didn't think we had anything in there. We didn't think anybody was haunting that room because we could never get any readings of multiple kinds in there, and nobody ever said anything. Until we started talking with a couple spirits. One of them is a man, and the other is a little boy, and they're always seen together.
0: Now, the fact that you've created this EMF... Uh, couldn't that perhaps, because you mentioned one of the side effects is um, you know kind of an ill feeling and also hallucination? Right. So how do you know how? I and mean, why would you why would you create an artificial sort of uh, atmosphere or an EMF?
1: Well, we didn't create it. It's just that there is a power line, a main power source ah, for the hospital running through the flooring of that room. Okay, all so, right. So we were able to find that in our research because we didn't want to have false EMF. Gotcha. We wanted to know where it was coming from. All right. Um, we do take it very seriously. You know, we have amazing spirits there that we just adore. But since we were able to find that, like I said, we weren't sure if there was anything in, the, in that area until we saw... Little boy and the man peeking out of the doorway. Right. right. When we weren't even in the room, so that's how we were like, "Oh, you have been hiding in there." Uh -uh.
0: (laughs) Have you Have you caught anything on uh, on a security camera?
1: We have caught things on security cameras before. Um, Usually, we just review the stuff during ghost tours because we have several CCTV cameras in the building and to monitor all forty some odd video. 24-7 24-7 would be very, very hard for anybody.
0: Sure, of do. course, of course.
1: So we don't review all of that, but we have caught quite a few things on our video cameras. We've caught a spirit named Robert, and he will walk across the hall. You can watch his shadow, and it's very, very clear. You can see his shoulders, his head, his arms. You can watch them move side to side as he walks. You can watch his leg part, legs part as he takes steps. And we've caught things like that on many occasions and not just Robert
0: fascinating fascinating uh and very quickly I've just got less than a minute here but tell me about the Chapel of the Damned
1: oh my goodness the Chapel of the Damned that's where a couple of our spirits the children like to hang out um Jessica and Christian Jessica's very very vocal and she will always, always play with you. She is very, very good at manipulating objects and will oftentimes roll flashlights or toys off of the conference room table that we have in there during the off-season.
0: All right. Cammie, let's make it a date. We'll have you back on, maybe along with uh, Richard, and we'll we'll play some EVPs from uh, Asylum 49. Thank you so much. I enjoyed our conversation tonight.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: My pleasure. The Haunting of Asylum 49. Richard Estep and uh, owner of Asylum 49, Cammie Anderson.
2: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now.